Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Deanna Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project Podcast. My mission is to bring awareness to health and wellness concerns that are impacting our communities. On this podcast, you'll learn strategies to improve your health from health professionals from around the world that are trying to make an impact in people's lives. Enjoy. Hey everybody, it's your boy Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project Podcast. The goal is to help people gain the knowledge, skills, tools, and confidence to become active participants in their healthcare. Another solo episode today, but I have some great guests on the podcast coming up. So if you haven't already, subscribe and listen to some dope people just doing some dope things and hopefully add some value. For today, I wanted to talk about something I've seen lately in my office, patients with hypertension. So I want to talk about what is hypertension, um, nutrition and exercise recommendations, and, and something you probably haven't thought could be the culprit for chronic hypertension. So first, what is hypertension? Hypertension means you have high blood pressure, you know, long story short. But, you know, blood pressure measures the force of blood inside your body blood vessels. So imagine water in a hose. And if the pressure is too high, your heart has to work harder and can be damaged. If your blood pressure is high for many years, it can cause you know, heart attack and stroke. So a target blood pressure of less than you know 130 over 80 is a recommendation for adults with confirmed hypertension. So when I have a patient in my office who struggles with you know uncontrolled blood pressure, the nutrition recommendation I give is the DASH eating plan. You know, if you've never heard about DASH, it stands for the Dietary Approach to Stop Hypertension. So the DASH diet is a healthy eating plan designed to help treat or prevent high blood pressure. Uh, the DASH diet includes foods that are rich in potassium, calcium, magnesium. Uh, these uh, nutrients help control blood pressure. Uh, the diet limits foods that are high in sodium, saturated fat, and added sugars. Studies have shown that the DASH diet can lower blood pressure in as little as two weeks. The diet can also lower low-density lipoproteins, your LDL or your bad cholesterol levels uh, in the blood. Uh, high blood pressure and, and high LDL cholesterol levels are two major risk factors for heart disease and stroke. The DASH diet is, is pretty much, lo is, is definitely, it's low sodium eating plan. So it's lower in sodium than a typical American diet, including 3,400 milligrams of sodium or more a day. That, that's typical in, in an American diet. It's crazy. The standard DASH diet limits sodium to around 2,300 milligrams a day. So it meets the recommendation for the dietary guidelines for Americans to keep daily sodium intake to less than 23 milligrams a day. That's roughly the amount of sodium in one teaspoon, you know, a teaspoon of table salt. The lower sodium version of DASH restricts sodium to about 1,500 milligrams a day. I don't necessarily bring that up with patients. A lot of my patients are really good with uh, the 23 milligrams a day, um, but, you know, you can do what you want. Uh, you can choose the version of the diet that meets your health needs, you know, basically. If you aren't sure, you know, what sodium levels levels are right for you, that's when you talk to your doctor, right? So 
with the dash what do you eat so the dash diet is a flexible and balanced eating plan that's why i really like it no no shade this is no shade to the people that enjoy keto it's no shade to those who enjoy low carb high carb no what whatever whatever floats your boat boo boo but when it comes to i'm specifically talking about patients that i see in the office and based off of the evidence if you have hypertension I'm recommending the DASH eating plan simply because not only is flexible and balanced, it's easy to follow using foods found at, at your grocery stores. Nothing fancy you have to get with the DASH eating plan. So the DASH is, is rich in vegetables, fruits, and whole grains. It includes fat-free or low-fat dairy products, fish, poultry, beans, and nuts. Um, it limits foods that are high in saturated fat, so such as fatty meats uh, and f- full-fat dairy products. Uh, when following DASH, it is essential to choose foods that are, you know, one, rich in potassium, calcium, magnesium, and fiber, and protein, kind of what we talked about earlier, low in saturated fat, and of course, low in sodium. That's really what you got to gotta choose. So mind you, I do work with a, lot, with a population that eats a lot of processed food. So how do we get around that? So really, there's there's really no way to get around it. Unfortunately, with some of the people that I provide, you know, my health coaching service for. So what we can do is, is reduce the amount of added salt. So a lot of these foods that people are eating, they're already high in sodium. And then what do we do? We got to shake it like a salt shaker on more, add a more on top of that. And that's just not necessary. So uh, what's really cool. I have this um, dash shopping list that I give patients and on the side of the shopping list, uh, well, it has, it has everything broken down. It has your fruits, has your vegetables, your, your lean meats, all these, you know, dash approved foods, but it also has a bunch of herbs and spices on the side. So that's what I really like to focus on with my, with my patients is, Hey, you don't need to add more sugar flavor that joker with some of these herbs and spices and you get the same flavor. Um, and, and that seems to go really, really well. So exercise. When it comes to exercise, this is where a lot of patients get concerned. They think, I, you know, they think I'm going to tell them you need to go to the gym, you know, give them some crazy exercise routine. Uh, it's just not the case. <laughs> you know, um, I serve a population that has financial struggles. So telling them to get a gym membership would be inappropriate and honestly not even necessary. So when they're in my office, I just say two things. Just move. That's all I want you to do. Walk, jog, bike, play a sport, dance, whatever it is that you enjoy, do that. Now, it's recommended 150 minutes of moderate aerobic exercise a week. Um, I don't stress this enough at first. Uh, in my experience, people tend to get stuck on the amount of time instead of the act of being active, right? You you hear the recommendation of 150 minutes of moderate aerobic exercise a week, and then you start to start thinking. You're not you're not thinking. Okay, what can I do to be active? You start thinking. Oh, do I have enough time to do that? And 150 minutes broken down over a full week is not a whole lot. When you're working, kids, it, it may seem like there's not enough time in the day. So I don't really focus on the minutes. I just tell them to move and they'll get the minutes in regard for, for sure. Instead of you focusing on the act, 
Instead of you focusing on the amount of time, sorry, in the beginning, focus on the act of being active. I don't care if it's five minutes. The fact that you did it is a win and a step in the right direction. So just focus on being active. Now, talked about the nutrition for someone with high blood pressure, the recommendation of the DASH eating plan. We've talked about exercise, right? Move. Get your butt up off the chair. Move. Have you thought about how you sleep? Let me tell you a quick story. So my mother moved here about two years ago because of her her health. It wasn't it wasn't the best. Still isn't the best, but it's better than it was. And she had control uncontrolled hypertension. I mean, numbers. If I told you what they were, you thought I was just making them up to be dramatic for the podcast. I'm not. Her blood pressure was crazy. We could we bring her here. She goes to see her the uh, an ophthalmologist. The ophthalmologist goes, Penny, my mom plays Penny. She goes, how, how are you sleeping? She's like, well, I can't really, I mean, I sleep okay. I, I can't really sleep. I don't really sleep well. And he asks her, have you ever had a sleep study? The answer was no. She's never had a sleep study. It turns out my mother has sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is a sleep disorder that causes numerous lapses in your breathing during your sleep. So there, there are two types of sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea and central sleep apnea. Now, my mother had obstructive, and this is when your airway collapses, and which blocks airway into the lungs. It often causes snoring and gasps, gasping during, during sleep. Once my mother got her CPAP machine and improved her sleep, her blood pressure changed dramatically. Damn near overnight. I mean, it was it was crazy. So what is this relationship between sleep apnea and blood pressure? Of the two types of sleep apnea, only OSA or obstructive sleep apnea has a connection to high blood pressure. So the um, central isn't, isn't a known cause of hypertension, but it develops in 30 to 50% of people with heart failure. failure. So of people diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, around half also have high blood pressure. In healthy individuals, blood pressure naturally lowers by between 10 and 20% at night. And a phenomenon referred to as blood pressure dipping, people with severe obstructive sleep apnea experience blood pressure dips of less than 10%, which indicates a non-dipping blood pressure pattern. People who have non-dipping blood pressure at night face an increased risk for cardiovascular issues. So also, many patients with obstructive sleep apnea experience a sudden and pronounced elevation of their blood pressure when they wake up in the morning. This morning surge is another factor that may increase the risk for cardiovascular disease. So moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea increases all-cause and cardiovascular mortality. Obstructive sleep apnea doesn't only affect blood pressure at night. Studies show that daytime blood pressure levels also increase with sleep apnea severity. How does sleep apnea cause high blood pressure? So sleep deprivation strains the heart, and obstructive sleep apnea in particular causes an overactivation of the synthetic nervous system, leading to high blood pressure. Now, the role of our sympathetic nervous system is to control our our fight or flight response. 
Now, when activated, the sympathetic nervous system triggers a series of temporary physical reactions, including faster heart rate, high blood pressure, dilated pupils, and increased metabolism. Now, that's cool. I mean, that, that's, that's a good thing when you're in fight or flight. But, bro, what you're doing in fight or flight when you're asleep doesn't, doesn't help you anything. It doesn't help at all. So these changes help us respond to stressful events, you know. But, however, excessive sympathetic nervous system activation can lead to chronically elevated blood pressure. Now, each time a person with obstructive sleep apnea experiences airway collapse and briefly stops breathing during sleep, their sympathetic nervous system becomes activated and blood pressure rapidly spikes. I mean, it's up there. When they resume breathing, sometimes the sequence and pauses and resuming breathing can cause a person to wake from sleep. When a person wakes up after an obstructive sleep apnea event, activation of the sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system and blood pressure levels escalate to an even greater degree. This is why it's so important when you go to see your provider and you have high blood pressure and they haven't already had you go and get a sleep study, ask them, say, hey, I'm not sleeping well. Can I get a sleep study and, s- and see if you have sleep apnea? Getting a CPAP machine has put years on my mother's life because not only did it help improve her blood pressure, but it took all that strain off of her kidneys is improved her blood sugar. You know, there's, there's other things that it helps. You know, if you're diabetic, you, you have enough going on. You don't, you don't need all this extra chaos. Just go get the sleep study, get the CPAP machine and see how it, see how it can help. So we talked about the nutrition. We talked about the exercise. We talked about obstructive sleep apnea. Hopefully you got some value from this conversation. Um, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, I got a bunch of guests coming up the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for those. Um, if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to learn more, please send me an email at Corey at thehealthyproject.co and I'll try to see what I can do to answer any questions that you may have when it comes to preventative care behavior change strategies. Everyone, thank you for listening, and I'll holler at you next time.